we're so used to seeing things that, in my opinion, aren't quite right in our treatment of animals. Yeah, the less we eat, the less violence is being done and the less destruction to the environment. Everyone eats and everyone has to make a moral decision every time that we sit down to the table. Hi, how are ya? Welcome to Animal Voices Radio Show, Western Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM co-op radio on unceded and ancestral Swellatooth, Musqueam, and Squamish territories on Turtle Island in so-called Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Today is Friday, once again, December 18th, 2020. I'll be your host, Grace Wampold. Welcome to this week's show. I'm recording this episode from the safety of my childhood home. I've been quarantining here for a little while, and while so many of our episodes focus on small businesses in the Vancouver area, I thought I would spotlight a business from my hometown, Yellow Rose Baking. And this business and this company is actually quite special to me uh, because I met the two co-owners, Caitlin and Steven. We were all campus representatives uh, working for PETA. We were all just little baby vegans trying to do our part. Um, So while I've gone into the direction of still doing activism, working in farming, we have other people from that era who have gone into making their own businesses. So the representatives from Seton Hall started a business together called Yellow Rose. And they have, I mean, oh my goodness, every type of baked good, the most gorgeous cookies, lemon bars, you name it, they've done it. And they're always changing their selections. And just last week, December 10th, they finally opened their cafe, their storefront after operating online So I am honored to be able to interview these friends and activists about their journey starting this little cafe. That's kind of a dream for a lot of us is just baking vegan things all the time and giving it to everyone so they can see that vegan baking is hecka good. So delicious. Yeah, so stay tuned for that. This story of Yellow Rose Baking Company. In our interview, we actually start talking a little bit about the idea of New Jersey comfort food specifically. Um, And around the holidays, I think a lot of us are concerned with and missing our cultural foods. So for me, that means diner food. New Jersey's are known for their roadside diners. And we talk about what it feels like when you are vegan and you miss out on that, or you're from a state where the cultural narrative around food involves hurting animals and how we as vegans can show people in our community that we don't have to do that. You can make classic cultural foods without harming animals, which is something that I didn't expect to be getting into when I was interviewing Caitlin and Stephen. And it made me think a lot about the second part of today's episode, which is discussing veganism and Judaism. A lot of you might know that Hanukkah is ending tonight. It's the last night. Hanukkah is the Jewish festival of lights. A lot of Jewish families will eat things like latkes, which is a pancake, and Hanukkah gelt, which is 
chocolate that looks like money. So I have a lot of fond memories of Hanukkah and Hanukkah foods. I've always been the one in my family to be the most excited about lighting the candles on Hanukkah. Something that I've been kind of curious about is the fact that there are the most vegans per capita in Israel. Obviously, there's the most Jewish people in Israel than anywhere else in the world. So what is this? Why is there this overlap between Judaism and veganism? I'm going to get into that later in the episode and do a bit of a deep dive into why there are so many people who end up being vegan in Israel. So stay tuned for that. We're going to deep dive into Judaism and veganism later in today's episode. Young workers face many challenges today. Unaffordable housing, underpaid and precarious work, and a rapidly changing labor environment. New and young workers are also more likely to be injured on the job. One of the best protections you have as a worker is solidarity. In other words, a strong union. Throughout history, unions have fought for the right to collective bargaining, better wages, benefits and working conditions, protection from abuse by employers, and ending harassment and discrimination at work. For more information on how to join a union, visit bcfed.ca forward slash join. Since this will be our last show before Christmas, I decided that I would ask some of my fellow producers who they'll be donating to this year. So this week, Allison and Elise will be joining me to talk a little bit about the organizations that we will be donating to this year over the holidays. Elise, would you like to go first? Sure. I really like giving charity donations for gifts, and I like getting charity donations as gifts. It's a really nice way to honor loved ones, obviously to spread a little good in the world, help out people who are in need or animals in need. I think also it's great to think about reducing the amount of stuff that we buy and that we give. And so giving donations to charity in someone's honor can be a really good way to give a zero waste kind of gift. And one organization that I really love is called A Well-Fed World. A Well-Fed World is an international hunger relief and food security organization advancing plant-based foods and farming to create a safe, nourished, and climate-friendly future, according to their website. And they go on to say, A Well-Fed World is one in which all people have enough food and the right kinds of food. The right kinds of food maximize health for people, animals, and the planet. The right kinds of food are produced and distributed in ways that prioritize personal and planetary health for current and future generations. So yeah, what I really like about them is that they tackle hunger in ways that avoid unnecessary harm to animals. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody and unnecessary harm to the environment as well. Um, So they kind of take that holistic approach and keep all of it in mind. And a great thing to know is that I checked and A Well-Fed World has a 100% rating on Charity Navigator. So they are a reputable, awesome charity that you can feel good about giving to. So if you want to know more about A Well-Fed World, learn more or or donate to them, you can visit awellfedworld.org. And Allison, who would you like to suggest for your year-end donation? 
I'd like to recommend Elizabeth's Wildlife Center in Abbotsford. I'm surprised I hadn't heard of this rescue organization until just last week because it's been running 24-7 for the last 34 years. And that's because of one person, Elizabeth Melnick. She puts her heart and soul into caring for and rehabilitating injured and abandoned wild birds and small mammals such as squirrels, opossums, and rabbits. She gives them the second chance that they otherwise would not have, and I'm so grateful for that. Because of COVID, times are tough this year, and the rescue center is in dire need. They desperately need to tear down and rebuild the center's rotting facilities, and the ability to fundraise with their events isn't there as it normally would be. So a donation at this time would make all the difference, and they will issue receipts for contributions of $20 or more. Just go to elizabethswildlife.ca slash donate. I also wanted to mention that for your year-end donations, maybe consider donating to our show, Animal Voices and Co-op Radio. Our donations are tax-deductible. If you send us a donation, it can be monthly or a one-time donation. Doing something like this really helps out our show, really helps keep us going. On So thank you so much for listening and supporting our show. We have so much fun making these episodes for you every week, and I love hearing from you and getting support from our listeners, so if you can donate, please consider doing so this year. Happy holidays. Hi, you're listening to Animal Voices Radio, and we are about to start our feature interview with the owners of Yellow Rose Baking Company in Maplewood, New Jersey. Stephen and Caitlin are an amazing couple with a drive to share their love and the compassion they have for animals by sharing baked goods. From an online store to opening a storefront in less than 12 months, these young go-getters talk with me about meeting in college uh, and then deciding to follow their dreams and open a baking company. So... Stay tuned for this really inspiring conversation. Hello. 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 Hi. Hello. I know this has been a crazy week for you. Yeah, yes, we're like half asleep, but we're here. <laughs> we're ready. <laughs> Welcome to Animal Voices. Uh, it's so nice having you guys on. It's been like, I guess, what, like two, three years since we last saw each other. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know what year it was, but it was the summer of twenty eighteen, I think. Yeah, maybe twenty eighteen. Like- it June was or May? Right after May. Stephen graduated. Yeah. I was about to go into my senior year, and now we're like two years graduated. Yeah. So, yeah, a couple of years. That's incredible. Yeah. And PETA 2 yeah. still existed then as well, which is funny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've had like a big rebranding or something. I, I haven't really been like in the loop, but. I have I- not kept up. I stopped being a PETA rep, I guess, in 2019. I didn't do it last year. Yeah, that was my last year involved yeah. with it. And then we ended up passing the torch to another student who ended up like becoming president of the club that we started. I mean, we met each other and we made some cool connections, which is fun. Yeah. It was a good jumping off point, I think, for a lot of people to like figure out their own ways of continuing their activism. We're doing a, a little bit of a different form of activism with our vegan baked goods and the online store because I'm a little bit shy. <laughs> yeah, so I guess we should start off then with saying, who are you guys? If you could give your names and then talk about Yellow Rose Baking. 
Yeah. So I'm Caitlin. And um, yeah, so we own and operate Yellow Rose Vegan Bakery together. We just started this year. We have been operating as an online bakery all year. So we've been shipping our baked goods across the country and just this week opened our storefront here in New Jersey. So that's our, (laughs) that's what our entire year has been occupied by. Back in college, we first met through a vegan club that Steven started, and that was kind of like the jumping off point. We have like a lot of backstory yeah, to get us uh, to, <laughs> to where we are now. It's kind of like, um, like, where do we even start, you know? Yeah, so back in college, like when I first went vegan, the first year, it was mainly just learning more about it and learning about the lifestyle. I really didn't watch many documentaries. Like I knew it was bad, but I never knew the extent of it. Once I really started delving into that, you know, I watched like Earthlings. It really made me feel like I needed to do something. I feel like most vegans have that, like there's that desire to make change immediately that kind of just like waking everyone up, like how's no one seeing this? And I noticed on campus, there was like no no outlet for that. I really wanted a way to like educate. I decided to start a vegan club. And funny enough, it was like one or two weeks before you could start a club in that year. So I had to like meet this deadline. And I remember making posters like last minute because I needed like 10 eborn members and I had none. So, and I knew no one that was like vegan or vegetarian at all. And we had our first meeting and Caitlin was actually the first person I met there. And she was also the first vegan I met in real life, which is crazy. Yeah. For me, it was really different because I was vegan through all of my three years. And I never really had the interest of like doing any sort of activism. I didn't really think there were other people in real life who were vegan. It was like such a small thing that I thought, okay, I'm just doing it, but I'm not really going to like make anything of it. But obviously once I ended up joining this club that Steven started, I realized that it was something that I really wanted to collaborate with people on and give myself a purpose, I guess. Like it wasn't just a personal thing anymore. It was just this collective project that me and a bunch of other people could work on together. And we could all find our own ways of being active, but We were all working towards some sort of goal together. And that's what really brought Stephen and I together. And then eventually, once we graduated from college and the club had kind of stopped being our our platform for doing that, we had to think of another way to continue working together and doing something vegan related. We started going to like Cubes of Truth together. We would like meet up with each other and go to um, these demonstrations and stuff. But I was always like, really not a fan of them and I remember a few occasions where Stephen would like really try to convince me to go I found a million excuses not to go because I just really was so afraid to stand out I was so used to being in college and just having these like tabling events on campus where you would like hand out free vegan food and it was very non-confrontational once you're not in college anymore and you're on a real street in like the middle of New Jersey and you're trying to talk to people about veganism at at, like nine o'clock at night it was very scary so obviously I kept to uh the baking I was the same way with giving out a vegan food made me feel super filled with joy because it was, you know, sharing food is such a special thing. But it can be hard when you like, especially in New Jersey, like, yeah, (laughs) there's so few vegan options in such a decentralized community. Yeah, I also just find in this area of the country, lived here my whole life, it's just kind of a stereotype, but everyone's just they can't be bothered when they see you out on the street. When you're trying to convince them of something and hand out a flyer, they're like, no, I have places to be like, I don't want to talk to you about this right now. I saw a lot of that happening. And I got so scared. I don't want to be that annoying (laughs) vegan. So I feared in a direction where I could be active and I could still make a positive impact and still have those conversations. But I could do it in a setting where people didn't have their guard up and they weren't going to get mad at me. So I would use food. That was like always my, my medium for doing that. 
I would always bake vegan desserts and bring them to family parties, or I would make stuff for my own family, you know, make something vegan and not tell anyone. <laughs> and then they like, we, I could just bring it up naturally. And they wouldn't be mad because they had a dessert in front of them. It was kind of like a win-win. I was able to still have those conversations just in a way where everyone was more responsive to it and they could still enjoy the entire process. So that's definitely what led us to opening the bakery. We're not just running a business. We're in it for so many other reasons. And it gives us an outlet for this feeling of being active that we've always been looking for, I think. It's very disarming to have a cookie in front of you and to explain like, this is a vegan cookie and what that means. You're kind of calmed and... Yeah. I even remember when you first opened the online platform, you gave kind of a spiel about thinking deeply about which way you wanted to go. If you wanted to have a restaurant, if you wanted to have a bakery in person or online, you know, what the difference was. And I wanted to talk to you about that decision process, what that was like for you going from activism to the business world. It's kind of like we always knew we worked together, but and we needed an outlet for that, but we didn't know what. We also just wanted to start a restaurant. Like those were mutually our dreams. Like we've always wanted to start some type of vegan food company. Um, Caitlin Baking and I just like regular food. And we played around with it. I remember it was early 2019 when we like talked about uh, starting a restaurant. We started planning out all these things and we had no money. We had no capital. We had like no idea of exactly how to do it. Well, we knew that we wanted to, you know, kind of like even if this happens years down the line, we'll at least have a business plan for it. We had a plan for a diner. It was like a vegan diner. And we had an entire menu written out. It had like a whole breakfast menu, a lunch menu, all these crazy over the top sandwiches. And I mean, obviously, that's not what we're doing right now. But like, <laughs> and that, believe it or not, laid the groundwork for what we're doing right now. It was early this year, 2020. Mm-hmm. It was January 11th, I think. I have a, a text still on my phone and we like refer back to it all the time. But oh, so yeah, um, some context is I had left my job at that point because I decided it was not at all like what I want to be doing. Like I was really thinking about career in the dental field and just doing that for the rest of my life did not sound very appealing to me. So I just <laughs> had those conversations. I don't know what I want to do right now, but I definitely don't want to do this. So in January of this year, I was actually doing Uber. And funny enough, the first person who I Ubered was a nice old lady, but I had a nice conversation with her. And I was telling her all about what I wanted to do with Caitlin and starting this business. I said, well, you know, why not start an online bakery? And I was like, huh, there's no startup for that. You don't need a storefront. You don't need a warehouse. You can just do it. I remember texting Caitlin that day. I just said like, hey, want to start an online bakery, right? Yeah, that was the exact text. Like, it was just out of nowhere. I was at work and I remember checking my phone and he texted me, want to start an online bakery? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I looked at it. I laughed and I was like, wait, that makes so much sense. Yeah, the text that I sent him before that was just a picture of donuts that I made. And then he texted me that. And I was like, okay, this is, yeah, yeah, you're right. We're going to do this. And it was something we never considered. You can just rent a kitchen space because in New Jersey, you have to have like a commercial kitchen. It's It's the the only state state in the whole country that you have to do that. But we just went full force. And like, I think by the end of January, Stephen had already like officially established the business. Yeah, I remember buying, it was like $10 or something. And I remember printing out a piece of paper and then driving over to the, uh, the cafe that Caitlin was working at. And I gave it to her and we got it. And yeah, like, you gave me a bouquet of yellow roses <laughs> and you gave me this piece of paper that said that our name was like officially established, our, do- our domain name. And that's that was, that was it. Yellow Rose Vegan Bakery was established. And then 
we just, and then unfortunately, very, very quickly, things turned upside down because a pandemic hit us mm -hmm. and we were like completely confused on what to do and it how was, to make it work. I think though at that point we had already launched and we were actually baking out of my parents' kitchen. We, uh, we actually had a kitchen in the basement and we were sending it to family and friends and we officially launched the website on March 7th. Yeah, yeah. one week before everything just started shutting down. Yeah, because yeah. I think it, by the end of that month, everything was in quarantine. And so that like threw yeah. everything off. But yeah. You want to go into that? Yeah. So all we knew was that we just had to keep the, mom the momentum going because we were just starting and we needed to like get our first real customers. So we kind of just found ways to make the terrible pandemic going on into some sort of positive by really focusing on the fact that we were delivering. We could actually still operate without having to contact people or have them leave their homes. In some weird way, an online business was like exactly what was needed in a time where nobody could leave their houses. Or And so we, we just kept rolling think, with it. I think we were actually, um, at this point, we were working out of commercial kitchen. We were just having so much difficulty with that kitchen because it was a shared kitchen. There was always other people there. And, you know, with everything going on, we really didn't want contact with other people. And while they were still allowing people in, their, their rates were very expensive. We were barely making, you know, breaking even. Since it was by the hour, we figured it's better to just bake everything there and then pack the treats at home. Because what we'd have to do is bake everything, wrap them all up quickly, put them in our cars, go home, and then wrap it up during the night and then put them in individual boxes, and then put those boxes in individual shipping boxes, print out all the labels for those. And by this time, it's like probably like a 13 plus hour a day, pack them back into my car, and then ship them out at USPS. We were struggling so much to figure out a good system because so much was changing. Like by the day, we even ended up like not taking orders for two weeks or so. I told Stephen, I don't think we're going to be able to like open again after we close because I was under the impression that if we didn't keep this momentum going, it was just going to like all fail. Steven yes. kept it like moving forward in the beginning. He was the one who just got things started and didn't ask questions and was like, we'll figure it out as we go. And I'm like the aggressive planner and I couldn't deal with that. I mean, his his method of just going for it obviously paid off. But I mean, yeah, I, I, and I'll be honest, I like I didn't know. Like I would sometimes it just lie to myself and say, it's going to work, even though I have no idea, you know, like we might close down, but you know, you just kind of have to keep going, you know, if this doesn't work, we'll figure it out. It turns out that obviously COVID, what happened is just terrible, but it's really has allowed us to expand our market. We were initially shipping just New Jersey, but then we realized that like we can just ship nationwide. There was like no, nothing holding us back. So we just figured out all like the regulations and all the states and just opened it up. And that's when things started really taking off. And at this point, I think we've shipped to basically every state. Wow. <laughs> well, that's one of the strong points that I noticed, too, is the reason I was able to kind of stay up to date on you guys was that I am still in the NJ Vegans Facebook group. But you sent posts with gorgeous baked goods. Yeah, it sounds like you can really make almost anything at this point. <laughs> I mean, that's all Caitlin. I... I in the kitchen, I'll tell you right now, like I do cookies, <laughs> I do brownies, Kaylin, everything else basically. So I just want to feed everyone really good vegan food and like just bake because I like baking. Like even this past weekend, um, while we were opening the storefront, I was coming up with new recipes on the spot. We just opened on Saturday and I was like, okay, I'm going to make jelly donuts today just because I feel like it. And I'm going to make cinnamon rolls because I feel like it. 
And then I was asking Stephen, like, how much should we sell these for? I was like, what, like $2? He's like, no, that's so cheap. And I was like, no, I just want everyone to get a cinnamon roll, though. <laughs> Obviously, to continue getting the word out there and to continue shipping and doing all the things that we want to do to do outreach. At the end of the day, we have to make our business viable. And we have goals of expanding a lot. Like at the end of the day, our goal is just reaching as many people as possible and just getting the word about vegan food out there. When you get to hear from people that live so far away that you're never going to meet in real life, they woke up in the morning and they tried like some of the treats that got delivered to them the day before. It's insane to think about that. I always just think of like a random person in the Midwest in literally the middle of nowhere, but they're vegan and then they magically get this box, all vegan box baked from us. Wow. Yeah. Well, especially now too, not having your family baked goods and as vegans in remote parts of the world, not having access to these things and people thinking you can't be vegan because you won't get to have Mm -hmm. sweet treats. And that's why we focus a lot on the variety, I think. I think there's a lot of companies that do baked goods and vegan baked goods. They tend to just be like cookies or like very specific things. We really want to show the amount of variety that you can get. And we've gone so far as to trying to ship, it was a donut, you know, like just all these different things. Yeah, like when we were planning our menu early on, I remember emphasizing how much I wanted to have a menu that you would expect if you went into a small bakery in your town. Um, You would have a selection of cookies, brownies, scones, little pastries, crumb cake, things like that. And we've realized over the past few months that some of those things are harder to ship than others, but everything that we've found um, that's able to ship well, we've kept it on the menu. So we have scones going out all the time, biscuits, we make like buttermilk biscuits. And and it's just really cool because there are some people out there who can't find a vegan biscuit anywhere near them. I have so much trouble doing it in New Jersey. And like, I just think about all these people who like really, they cannot find it anywhere. And for that reason, Maybe they're not going fully vegan. Like maybe there are certain foods that are keeping them hung up and maybe they've gone vegetarian, but they can't really commit to vegan because they can't find pastries or baked goods or whatever it is. So if we can at least make that available to them and make it easier for them to transition and realize that there's something out there for them, that's Even places like New York City, you find a lot of simple cupcakes or, you know, like the one vegan item on the menu. And yeah, I think you have a really special menu and concept. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if you have anything that you're planning with the storefront to talk about how it's vegan, if you want to focus it on animals in any way, or if you're hoping to just kind of let the baked goods sing for themselves. I think now having a storefront, it gives us a lot of opportunities to connect with people in the community. And we have a really good community that we're in Mm -hmm. in Maplewood. There's a cafe that used to operate where we are now, and um, they did a lot of like community outreach events. The joke is that like Maplewood is like Brooklyn of New Jersey. Um, it's called Maple Brooklyn. Everyone knows what's going on, and everyone is super into like helping out in the community and just being aware. That's so perfect for us, especially when it comes to activism, because it gives us that ability to reach out. Even already, what we saw yesterday is that there's seven other shops on our strip or six other shops. And because of us being there, there were so many people walking around. People are checking out the other shops, people visiting the area because we're there. Yeah, so Supporting the other small yeah. businesses and having an impact in that way. 
But even as far as like vegan outreach, I think there are definitely parts of the community interested in learning more about veganism and like maybe they haven't had exposure to a vegan bakery or a group of vegan activists that can teach them about different things that they've maybe heard of but haven't really dove into. Like maybe they've gone vegetarian because they've heard about, you know, like slaughterhouses or they've watched a few documentaries, but maybe they don't understand that dairy and eggs can be just as harmful and are causing just as much pain and suffering in animals. And so we have these conversations on a daily basis when a person comes in and asks for a coffee with whole milk, and then we explain to them that we have non-dairy milks, and then maybe that'll spark something, make them wonder why a vegan would only drink non-dairy. For me, I've always just been the kind of person who values just conversation as a really powerful tool to change people's mindsets and by doing something like getting coffee in the morning. And now that we have, I guess, like the credibility of having a storefront, I think it really makes it easier for organizations to want to work with us with getting a message out there. You need some sort of following. And I think we've done a good job of building that up. So now we get to use it, get all the people who've rallied behind us to work toward a a movement together. Yeah, we're definitely keeping our eyes out for people in the community, different organizations that we can work with. That'll be our our next endeavor. But it is, you know, I think like with our age group, it's competitive and there's so many people with like all Mm -hmm. this hustle. So it's amazing to see it and to see you guys going from trying to rein yourself in with your ideas and then being like well yeah we're still gonna still gonna chase them and still gonna eventually do everything you wanted to do but right now there's just three of us it's me Caitlin and um, her cousin again there's so much room to grow but we just don't have that ability right now the most important thing for us right now is finding like-minded people to kind of like build a team with us and then with more minds and more hands on deck, like we can just really take this message, this goal that we have, actually get it out there and get it in motion. We've kept our team really small because we didn't expect the growth that we've had at all. Like we really thought we were going to be operating online for at least a couple of years. Um, man, things have just <laughs> like happened so quickly that we're still catching up and we're figuring out all of our different plans. But right now we're like reeling ourselves in and like <laughs> just catching up on like opening a storefront and getting things in place. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, we're going to plan to have some food on the menu. And I think that'll really be cool. I think that'll bring a lot of new people in, get people thinking about just vegan food more, I don't know, just more positively. Like once they see vegan breakfast items on a menu in like their neighborhood cafe, it's going to be such an eye opener. Pretty like crazy when they come in and they say like, oh, I just have it with milk or coffee. And we say, oh, we only have non-dairy milks. They always ask, like, okay, you know, like, what's this most similar thing to, you know, regular milk? And we tell them, oh, we know it's good. And it's just crazy to think there's all these people that, like, oh, I've never tried oat. Let me try that. That they're very receptive to the idea. We know that they're going to go home and, like, drink it and they may switch over, you know. And that's just, like, another subtle way that food can expose people to the lifestyle. Before we continue, let's just have a quick break for the bottom of the hour and we'll get back in just a few quick seconds. You are listening to Animal Voices on Vancouver's Co-op Radio 100.5 FM CFRO. 100% listener-sponsored radio broadcasting live from the east side on unceded Coast Salish territories. People don't know they see a wall of non-dairy milk and they're not going to invest in a carton they might not like it but going to a safe space a restaurant that's curated these things for you and you've done the research they feel like they can learn by the dishes you've kind of created for them it makes it a lot more accessible 
we definitely are kind of like a, a resource for people coming in. Like we can reassure them that we've tried everything. Yeah. <laughs> like we're not going to steer you in the wrong direction by giving you oat milk. It's not going to ruin your morning. You know, with that little bit of trust that they give us, hopefully they they realize that vegan might not be what they've assumed it would be. Slowly, we're seeing that people are changing their perception. And I, I think like just over the past few years that I've worked in like a cafe setting and I've, I've worked as a barista back a couple years ago. And I remember hearing the reactions of people when, when they're offered like a non-dairy milk versus now, I think I've definitely noticed kind of a change in tone, a change in um, perception of how they're perceiving these non-dairy options. They're just really opening up to it. And it's been awesome to see things like oat milk that are becoming so popular among everyone, even non-vegans. People, like you said, people can try things out without having to invest too much of their money or trust or whatever it is um, into a whole like carton of milk you know they can just try it out and if they don't like it they can try soy milk the next day or they can try almond milk or whatever it is and we're just giving them that space to kind of try it out and we're not putting any pressure on them we're just kind of offering them something delicious and <laughs> and we'll go from there yeah we're not scary <laughs> yeah we're just we're just uh, two friendly bakers we're fine And that kind of ebbs into my next question. I was wanting to know kind of your hopes um, and any changes you kind of want to see in the near future as you open up this storefront. The first thing that we definitely want to do with the uh, food, I've been telling everyone that comes in if if we offer food, is we're going to try to do um, breakfast sandwiches, Um, especially with COVID. You know, um, I mean, also my personal bias, like breakfast sandwiches in the vegan sphere has just severely lacking, I think. Yeah. And we really need like, you know, tailored ham, egg and cheese, veganized. Yeah, we need pork roll, wherever you are. We're not from South Jersey. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to like explain that honestly to the viewers because this is live in Vancouver. Um, but for all the people who are listening live, the in New Jersey, there is the pork roll and there's Taylor ham. And they are both the same thing. They're essentially, you know, cured ham. They're like Canadian bacon. And in New Jersey, they just call it pork roll or Taylor ham. New Jersey comfort food, to to continue that contextualization, is pork, cheese, eggs. That's it. <laughs> Things that we don't eat as vegans. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. exactly. Yeah, we want to be the ones to, like, give you that amazing, comforting breakfast sandwich and, like, Oh man, it's just we've personally been missing it. <laughs> that's like and the biggest like, thing. That's why the diner is like so appealing to us because from New Jersey, like the home of the diners. And I don't think there is a single vegan diner in New Jersey no. right now. And that's why like the types of foods, just the comfort foods, being able to go at like 11 o'clock at night and getting a menu that's all vegan and being able to order from a huge variety of things, that would be just amazing. And I think that's like definitely a direction that I want to go in. Already everything's going great as is. So always our plan to start smaller and then like just slowly naturally let it Mm -hmm. evolve because we didn't want to burn ourselves out too quickly with like immediately launching into food and stuff but it's seeming like once the holidays are over and we're kind of on a new page um starting next year we're thinking it's going to be the perfect time for us to start experimenting with some breakfast and then go from there i mean i think longer term our goals are to probably have another location um we don't want to be like like become this chain it's always just at the, at the end of the day, um, bringing a good vegan product to as many places as possible. And so like, we're going to keep an eye out for places that we feel 
have a lot of vegans that are not getting these options so that we can set up there and just give them a place, you know, so that they don't have to travel like an hour away to get a good vegan dessert or breakfast or something. Because we see a lot of that on the vegan groups, especially like the New Jersey groups. I feel like a lot of people will travel like an hour away. I just want to appeal to those parts of the country because we've seen a lot of that with our online business. All these people messaging us from like North Dakota, like Mm -hmm. Nebraska, and they're like, it's so great to have this vegan product because there's nothing around me. And so we know how much people appreciate that. And we want to just continue providing that. Yeah, I mean, even right now, I live an hour from where the storefront is going to be for you guys. And to me, it's like, yeah, that's not that bad for a vegan baked good in New Jersey driving an hour. That's that's right. That's just about right. Yeah. yeah, I've had that experience. Like when I first went vegan, it was about what, like five years ago now. Um, and it was even worse back then. Like I yeah. just there was nothing there were like I didn't go out to eat ever and it was only recently that I started having the privilege of being able to like I mean not in the past year because everything's closed but <laughs> like 2019 times back when things were normal I would be able to actually go out and get like a vegan burger or like a nice vegan dinner it's still lacking a lot yeah. I think so if we can be a part of that movement then that's our goal and we're even thinking of like different states i mean i don't know how we're going to make that work but we've had a lot of people we from like one boston who yeah. really wants one in boston He's yeah like, wow. boston, yeah we like, have people from like washington dc um a lot of different places yeah. in like the northeast that, that are trying to get us to uh <laughs> to set up out there yeah. so we'll keep that on our radar i don't know how it's going to happen but but yeah you can live anywhere and set up shop that'll probably be a project eventually yeah we've got to make yeah. this, this one grow we yeah. got to take good care of this one. it's our first baby <laughs> one time in high school i skipped school with a friend and we went into new york because we hadn't had chinese food in like at that point two years and buddha bodai has yeah. vegan dim sum and i was telling every vegan i knew like oh my god you need to go to this one vegan chinese restaurant i think we might have went to that before in Chinatown. Is it in Chinatown? Yeah, it is. Yeah, we, we went to a vegan dim sum place because I was like freaking out about it because like I grew up with dim sum. So like I really miss that. Like my family always went on Sundays and I've always wanted a replacement. I never knew it existed and I found out. And Yeah, and I think it's inspiring. I think a lot of us sense that there's this gap in the vegan baked goods or just vegan restaurant industry and seeing you guys following it and seeing it work out so well is it's a huge inspiration to a lot of vegans to see that that people are receptive it's just great news not only are we running a vegan company but we also agree with everything that we do you know there's there really is a passion behind our work it's nice to be able to represent that i know that we inspire others even around the country we believe in what we're doing we're running a business, but if somebody else had started this business, we would be customers. I, I noticed that there are a lot of businesses out there that even though they're coming out with vegan options, there's kind of like this hesitation for a lot of people. They might know that the owner is not vegan or they don't really have a goal of spreading the vegan message. They're just kind of monopolizing off of a movement or something, something that they see as a fad. It makes you feel kind of strange when there's these business owners that are using veganism as like a, a marketing a tactic. So I don't know. I think that's just been something we've always been really proud of is that we don't have to pretend to care about this. Like it's something that we've always cared about. It's what we're going to continue caring about. And it's going to reflect in the quality of the product, because when you make products that you yourself love to have as a vegan, I think it really shows. I don't even I don't know if you remember this. Amanda said something like a restaurant that just has a vegan option 
isn't vegan friendly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, because exactly. you still are doing all these things that go directly against our morals. It's treated more as like a diet and not like a lifestyle. We're just really proud we can say everything that you eat here is 100% vegan and you can trust that it's being made by people who care about it just as much as you do. That's becoming a trend. Luckily, it's not like we're really not a minority anymore with vegan places. I've seen so many vegan companies popping up, even online companies like ours that have started this year because of the pandemic. They're in the same boat. They're just vegans who really have a passion and they want to share it, which is really cool. And just trying to do something to help others and to spread the vegan message and at the end of the day, help animals, which is always the goal. What would you say to another vegan entrepreneur in their 20s thinking about starting a business? It's it's kind of just like go for it. You can always start it on the side because veganism is going to rise no matter what. It's just a matter of how fast. Mm -hmm. And like I remember my aunt talking the other day with my mom yes, yesterday about she works at this uh, makeup company and how the upper management is talking about how everyone's demanding cruelty free and vegan products. It's like become such a thing now. And it just made me realize like how big it's getting. And Caitlin before was talking about how standard non-dairy milks are now and how accepted they are. If you have an idea and you think it's going to do well, I can guarantee it's going to do well. With us, I always knew that vegan baking, like it's well, I mean, especially Caitlin's because she's a great baker, it, it would do well. I had no doubts. Like I can honestly say I had no doubts that we'd make a good product. So really, if you have an idea and I mean, not everyone has the time that we did have, which is a privilege that we did have. But if you do have that, it's definitely worth it. I was still working full time while we were starting up this business. I was working cafe, so I was baking and doing something that was fun. But like if you're working full time at like a job that maybe isn't satisfying to you and like you have this goal of doing something like some sort of business venture to promote veganism or to follow a passion, I would say um, just do something that is fun to you and is enjoyable and use your time off from work to really focus on it and to make it a passion project just kind of like a like a hobby of yours and then eventually over time it'll become something that turns into a success i don't know it's kind of like that cliche of like so when when you don't work the money will come or something yeah. like that when you follow when you do what you love the money mm -hmm. will follow it, it really is true though you know yeah because we went into this like without any goal of making money off of it we really didn't think we we're going to make money off of it it was just like a way to clear our minds and get away from the stress of our dead-end jobs that we didn't really think we we're going to do anything for us it's long almost term. crazy to think like how small of an operation we started with and how we continued that you know and it really came down to just because we enjoyed doing it it's never going to succeed unless you do it you know I think just honestly be more like Steven <laughs> and just and just live without fear. Well, no. There's I, a lot of quality. <laughs> no, but I would say like it's, it's really true. Like if you just let yourself do what it is that you feel that you're being pulled to do um, without asking all of these questions and without giving yourself more doubt than there needs to be and without kind of being your own worst enemy, I think like you're you're bound to succeed if you just let yourself do what feels right. But I think also looking for a community that will cheer you on because that's been super helpful to us early on whenever we would get comments on our Instagram page of people saying like, oh my gosh, I got my box today and it was so good. Man, you have no idea the, the impact that has. I get these moments where I dwell in how, oh my gosh, I'm a terrible baker and like maybe I'm not good at this or maybe can you get one person that is kind of rallying behind you and it makes all the difference. That's like a huge game changer, I think, especially for me. Do what you love. 
don't plan ahead and be like Steven. Yeah. Be like Steven. And have and have a good group of people surrounding you. <laughs> and with COVID too, it's just like life is short. Yeah. Just yeah. do what you love. Yeah. I think in some crazy way, this year ended up being really positive for us because we realized that everyone's life is kind of turned upside down right now. And if we're going to start something, we just need to do it and not wait for more obstacles to get thrown at us because mm-hmm. inevitably they're going to keep coming. Life is unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. I think like that's one of the biggest takeaways of this year. Mm-hmm. You're going to make an impact on somebody at some point and they're going to be changed because of it. And even when we're in our doom and gloom type of conversations, we always talk and say like, how oh, even if everything fails, we've learned so much. We've learned way more than we would have if we did the same nine to five job for years on end in this single year. Mm -hmm. That's great. So I guess let's share your social media. How can people listening today connect with you guys? Well, the best place is probably Instagram. So our Instagram is at Yellow Rose Vegan. We also have Facebook, um, Yellow Rose Vegan. Most of our presence is on our website, yellowrosevegan.com. That's where we've been rocking and rolling all year long. Um, (laughs) That's where you can order online. You can get any of our treats shipped across the United States. You can send them to friends, to family, perfect for the holidays. Yeah, those are our main platforms right now. And if you're ever in New Jersey, we're in Maplewood. Oh, give us um, a visit. Yeah. <laughs> can come visit us at our, at our new storefront. Eight yeah, to two. Yeah, we're open Wednesday to Saturday right now. Yeah. Um, like eight to two. Um, hopefully grab some goodies. But yeah, we're always posting everything, like new menu items and stuff about us oh plenty about us <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean I'm, I'm even right now on the facebook page seeing a great photo with like cookies your oatmeal cranberry your snickerdoodle your stuffed cookies and all your gluten-free options which is super rad there's definitely something for everyone oh yeah oh yeah thank you guys so much for talking i'm i'm really just so proud of you guys and seeing these photos of you guys and your cousin in front of the cafe like just beaming it's incredible i can't imagine how much work is goes into yeah. this yeah. yeah it's been a lot this but week has definitely been the longest week we've had as exhausted as hungry as thirsty as we are <laughs> we're always so excited at the end of the day it's like wow we got so much done today and like we're working towards something so exciting so we're really excited and thanks so much for having us talk about it we love talking about it it's our favorite (laughs) thing in the world (laughs) i work as a farmer so i totally understand that blissful feeling after a long day of like just the hustle that's also by the way one of our dreams is to have an animal sanctuary yeah we would love to just have a sanctuary and have like a little vegan cafe on the property man that's that's such a goal of ours but maybe when we get to like retirement age that'll be our like relaxing project But it's been so fun talking to you guys and getting to catch up. Yeah, and... you too. Me too. Yeah. So Hope much. you're well too, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, have a great day and thank you so much for your time. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you too. Take care. Yeah. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Animal Voices. That concludes my feature interview with Caitlin and Stephen, co-owners of Yellow Rose Baking. You can try one of their sweet treats by ordering from their website and having the items shipped to you across the United States. Or you can come visit them at their storefront in Maplewood, New Jersey. We need health and wellness now more than ever. Solid self-care routines that help us feel grounded. A sense of community. A sense of safety during these uncertain times. 
Do you need a healing space? A place where you can breathe and move freely? Join us at Karma Teachers, Canada's first nonprofit yoga school and studio. Free and by donation yoga classes offered every day of the week. Join us at Karma Teachers, empowering people through the practice of yoga. Welcome back to the show, and I hope you're ready for our next segment, which will be dedicated to understanding why there are so many vegan people in Israel. We're doing this to commemorate the last day of Hanukkah, and I do want to make a note that as I've been going through my research, it seems to be that the reasons you see a lot of veganism occurring in Israel is quite disconnected from the fact that Israel is a Jewish state. And by presenting this segment, I'm in no way trying to vocalize my opinions on the legitimacy of Israel or whether or not I am Zionist, but I am a Jewish person and I am a vegan, and I am really curious about why Tel Aviv has been known as the vegan capital of the world. So in this segment, I'm going to talk a bit about not only the activism that is ongoing in Israel, but I'm also going to talk about something that I just discovered through this deep dive of mine. Outside of Tel Aviv in Israel, there is a village known as the Village of Peace started as 139 people immigrating from Chicago to Israel in 1969. They are the largest community of African Americans living outside of America, with about 3,000 people living in this village today, all living a vegan lifestyle. No sugar, no caffeine, no alcohol, no cigarettes, exercising three times a week, and massages once a month. Veganism for them, if you go to Genesis 1.29, there is a specific passage that they use to explain why they don't eat animals. I'll just read it out, actually. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree on which is the fruit yielding seed to you, it shall be for food. Everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green herb for food. So culturally, this is a very significant and interesting group. I found a photo series by a man named Wendell White, who worked at Princeton University in New Jersey. So really, this whole episode is just dedicated to me being from New Jersey. But right off the bat, I want to say that this community does practice polygamy, and that's why they were able to grow so quickly as a community. There are tendencies within this community that look a bit like a cult and certain restrictions that they have. But I do want to point to the year 1969. At that point, that was right after Woodstock. That was actually right after the Manson murders. And there was a big question mark in America of whether or not there was going to be a race war. Black Panthers were just starting and a lot of people were driven by the idea of a new order. Uh, that something serious was going to happen. And when these people came to Africa, when the people of the Peace Village moved, they acknowledged that Israel was part of Africa. They still wear a lot of African patterns. And so they adopted certain practices of the Israelites. 
including kabutz or kabutzim, which basically means that you're living as a commune with community intention and sharing responsibilities of childcare and the financial stability of the entire community. So notably, the people of the Peace Village in the 1980s decided to start a factory called Teva Delhi because they realized that they didn't have all of the things they wanted in their city, and they wanted to help the country convert to veganism. So they started a food factory where they could make soy milk and tofu and vegan cheeses and other great foods. Their products were even used by Domino's for the trial of its dairy-free pizza in 2013. So people in the village are really proud of this, and they do acknowledge that they're pioneers and have given options to people in Israel when they had no other options for vegan food and helped to cultivate this community. This reminds me of Loma Linda products and the Loma Linda community are Seventh-day Adventists that are all vegetarians. So there are a lot of crossovers between the two groups. And I also think that there is a similar crossover with race in these two groups because it's important to acknowledge that health was something that many Black Americans have been deprived of for centuries. And living in a food desert or living in the inner city with no grocery store options is still a reality that a lot of Black people face. So I just want anyone who is listening to this and might be feeling judgmental or confused or thinking that maybe this is a radical group, the reality is that this is a radical solution to a radical problem. We have systemic racism in America, and we need to think about how we can heal as a community how we can structure our community to not only honor other animals, but honor one another, regardless of race or ability, regardless of religion or species. So this leads me into the activism portion, the portion of this segment where I discuss the rest of Israel, because that 3,000-person village does not account for the total 5.5% of the population that's vegan in Israel. Something that's come up quite a bit in my research about Israel and Judaism is that when they do public outreach events such as Cubes of Truth, you're not going to see anyone wearing a mask. Um, People in Israel are very open about their personal beliefs, and you'll often find it's not socially acceptable to wear a mask considering organizations like Hamas close by. But beyond that, it's such a small country that you're seeing people in your community face-to-face. You're more likely to actually recognize someone at a cube of truth, which if you've ever done one before, you know that seeing someone who might already know you from outside of an activism context, it's a lot easier to have a really personal conversation. I also mentioned before how the community of the Village of Peace are all immigrants to Israel. And Israel in general is a nation of immigrants with people coming from all over the world with many different cultures and cuisines they grew up with. So while we conjure images of hummus, trina, and falafel when we're in Israel, the country itself is quite young and evolving with a lot of younger people who are less attached to really traditional foods. So overall, there's a lot more innovation occurring 
with over 400 restaurants in Tel Aviv alone that are designated as vegan friendly. I absolutely do not have time to get into the deepest depths of this discussion, but I want to end the segment talking about a man named Henri Paz, probably the most famous vegan in all of Israel. He started a website called veganfriendly.co, and from there was able to get a label on products and restaurants and even industries that were friendly to vegans. By this, he made it so much easier for people who were experimenting with veganism or wanted to try it and made it really accessible. They were able to find out what they were able to eat, where they are able to eat. And I think this shows how accessibility is one of the most important aspects of any movement. It makes it a lot easier for us to actively change ourselves and our behaviors to produce better social and sustainable outcomes. It was said earlier in the show that veganism is on the rise, and we just need to make it easy for people to feel comfortable experimenting with vegan foods. So, thanks, Israel. (laughs) You've been listening to Animal Voices Radio Show on 100.5 FM Co-op Radio, in so-called Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, unceded Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam territories. Next week, we will be playing a encore show. It is going to be Christmas Day, so we've decided to take a bit of a hiatus for one week so everyone can enjoy family time or have Zoom calls with their family if they can't be with each other. Even though we won't be on air next week, we still love to stay connected with you all via the internet so feel free to listen to our past shows at our website on animalvoices.org our past podcast podcasts are also available on itunes and google play you can join us on facebook or instagram both at animal voices vancouver and never forget we're on twitter as animal voices yvr Of course, as always, stay tuned now for Radio Ecoshocks, Radio Ecoshock with Alex Smith. Thank you so much for listening to Animal Voices today, and remember to be kind to the animals. We will be leaving the show with a song called Vegan, written by Zach Abel. It's unlike many of our vegan-centric songs, uh, but just take a listen and and you'll hear what I what I mean by that. But enjoy uh, and have a great holiday season. Stay warm. She said she was animal friendly. She could have never heard a fly. So when I caught her in Wendy's, I couldn't quite believe my eyes. She was chomping on a burger bigger than her head. Now I'll never trust the word she ever said. And I've got a question. Was everything we had a lie All my friends were trying to warn me But I didn't see the signs Looking back it was so obvious They say that love is blind And I guess I was too gullible Cause now it's plain to see She said she was vegan Vegan, vegan Just to get with me Got bad paranoia Questions running through my head Like when she said it was soya Was it really milk instead? 
When she had a margarita trying to be discreet She said it was a drink but I saw the receipt Now I wanna know ya How many lies was I fed? All my friends were trying to warn me But I didn't see the signs Looking back it was so obvious They say that love is blind And I guess I was too gullible Cause now it's plain to see She said she was vegan Vegan, vegan, just to get with me. Do -do -do -do. Why did she lie? Oh, why? Oh, why? Did I believe her? Why did she lie? Oh, why? Oh, why? Think I better leave her? Why did she lie? Oh, why? Oh, why? Did I believe her? Why did she lie? Oh, why? Oh, why? Think I better leave her All my friends were trying to warn me But I didn't see the signs Looking back it was so obvious They say the love is blind And I guess I was too gullible Cause now it's plain to see She said she was vegan, 